This episode of JJ Meets World is brought to you by Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. Natalie has a proven track record to get your home sold faster and for more money. She is consistently focused on her clients' needs and wants throughout the entire process and make sure that they are well taken care of. If you're looking to buy or sell, reach out to Natalie today. On average, Natalie sells a home every 3.74 days. That's at least two a week. And last year, Natalie earned her clients on average over $4,000 above list price on their homes. And you don't have to take our word for it. Here's some of the great reviews Natalie has received. I was overwhelmingly impressed with Natalie and all the Hatch team. She was very responsive and responded to all of the emails within an hour. She gave great advice and encouragement from the listing and pictures, the offer and all the closing details, the marketing team knew exactly how to promote my property and I was pleased by how soon and easily my property received an offer. I was actually dreading selling my condo and Natalie did such an awesome job that I felt like I really didn't need to do anything. The thing I most appreciated was that she really listened to what I wanted to do and respected my decisions. I would definitely recommend Natalie and all the Hatch Realty team. They made this process so wonderful. That was from Diane. So listen, if you're in the mood to buy or sell a home, give Natalie a call right now. You can reach her at 701-388-9338, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, at hatchrealityfm.com, or you can go to livefargomorehead.com, that's livefargomorehead.com, and find out some information. Huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring JJ Meets World. Hello, podcast listener. This episode of JJ Meets World features Jessica Vines and Connor Lee, two musicians local to the upper Midwest who share their thoughts on music, where it's been, where it's going. I get into a nice little confrontation with Connor at one point (laughs) during this podcast and uh, a deeper appreciation for music I'm pretty sure you'll end up with at the end of the episode. Plus, we have a live performance in studio, a first ever for JJ Meets World. So just sit back, relax, and get ready for this. One, two, three, four. J.J. Gordon, sort of like that Indiana Jones in that he's always snipping out his next adventure. Yes, he is! He's always interviewing guests so he can have them on his show and they can talk about pop culture, arts, and leisure. J.J. has his flag unfurled and he likes his french fries curled and he's fun and then he twirls as he goes to meet the world. He will march into the rain even if his ankle sprain. Take a peek inside his brain. This podcast is called J.J. Meets World. Uh, welcome to the Outback Steakhouse. How many will there be for dinner tonight? Just me. Just you? Fantastic. Let me show you over here. Uh, you're going to notice that our booths are really long. Okay. They can seat six people at a time, but we'll just put you in there, okay? That'd be awesome. Thank Plenty you. Plenty of room. Uh, what are you ce- celebrating anything tonight? Special oh, celebration? yeah. Yeah. I uh, I just got uh, fired. Oh, well, yeah. so you're celebrating that though. Hey, good for you. You're going to move on to something great. Yeah. Real demarcation point in my life. I'm going to do this in style today. All right, um, cool. And I'm I like how much space there is. Oh, that, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, Dan. Nice. This is nice. Yeah, it's great. Stretch out. Dan is going to be your server and Dan, uh, he'll Dan, be here Dan in one second. Dan is going to be my server. Dan is going to be my server. That sounds fantastic. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to meet Dan. You're welcome. Hey, I'm Dan. How's it going? Hey, Dan. Welcome to the Outback Steakhouse. Have you dined with us before? You know, I thought there was something familiar about this place. 
pretty sure I have. Great, great, great. Well, I tell you, can I tell you about some of the specials we have right now? I'm waiting with bated breath. All Dan. right. We've got our shrimps on the Barbie deal. Mm. Five of our wood smoke shrimp. Like them shrimps. Uh, you can add that onto any entree you want, even Gonna. salads. Okay. Uh, for only three ninety nine. Okay. We're also featuring a surf and turf right now with the Prime Minister's Prime Rib Oof. and a uh, stone cold Steve Austin. Snow crab. Already digesting it in my dreams. This sounds great. Okay. So uh, can I get you started with something cold? Maybe a cold Foster's? Um, You know what? I'm just Australian for beer. (laughs) Like the the commercial. That's that's Mm -hmm. funny, Dan. I like your jokes, Dan. Uh, I like your jokes, Dan. I like you. You're uh, Dan. Dan the waiter. That's a great joke, Dan. Great joke, Dan. Um, I'm just going to do some water right now. Okay, great. One water. I'll be right back. Can I get you started with any appetizers? Just the Aussie, the Aussie cheese fries are really good. They come with our specialty. Okay. Have you tried our ranch? Dan, I just asked you for a water, and I now know. you're getting a little too pushy. Well, I was told by the management that you recently left your job, and so I was going to say Aussie cheese fries on me. Yeah, that's how I would word it. You know, I would word that after 22 grueling, loyal years, I left Dan, that's what happened. You're right. That's what happened. I left. That's just that's what that's what it was today. That's that's the word we're going to use is that I left. I left. It's not that they fired me. No, it's not that. It's not that they fired me. It's that I left. It's that I just walked out the door. It's that I'm starting a new part of my life right now without that job, Dan. So right now, if you don't mind, could I get a glass of water and maybe some space in silence while I look over the menu? Thank you, Dan. So that'd be a no to a blooming onion too. Then that actually sounds pretty good. Let's do that. Okay, as well. you got it. Uh, that was a playlet that I've been working on called "Closing Time at the Outback," and I think that I think there's going to be a lot of power in this. Uh, it'll be entirely performed in Outback Steakhouses, so we'll tour the country, right? Performing this in each Outback Steakhouse. And, um, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much, but there's a very famous comic book movie hero who's interested in playing the part of Dan. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I won't, uh, I won't say exactly who it is, but okay. recently he started, uh, trying to figure out what song was playing. So he used a particular app where the song's playing, and then you put the app on, uh-huh. and you shazam it. That's all I can say. Okay. That's all I can say. Okay. It's pretty big. It's well, Zach Levi. It's Zach Levi. Oh. He's going to play the part of Dan. I'm excited. Me too. He's got good skin. Uh, well, Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great, but not after eating all those blooming onions. No, no. Yeah. By the way, thanks for letting me know that we were about to launch into an improv scene right yeah. before did we do like this that? intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you started, I looked at you going... Oh, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. This is what we're doing now. <laughs> Did you have you ever noticed how a blooming onion looks like a face hugger, kind of from aliens? I've always thought it looked like a cactus flower, which is oh, what it's supposed yeah. to look like, right? Yeah, like um, a, bl- a bloom, like a cactus onion. Yeah, and man, those always look so good until about a third of the way through, right? And then you go, I didn't need this much. You don't need the whole onion. No, you sort of want to be like, could I get a fourth of a blooming onion? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Good to go. 
Maybe um, you could split it with other tables. Somehow Outback has the best ranch, in my opinion. There's a special mm. taste and a tanginess to their ranch, and it's Zest. universal. I've tried, I've tried eating at Outbacks in Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, <laughs> Delaware. Really covered the the U.S. there. Well, I was going to say uh, California, Illinois, Wisconsin, <laughs> Florida. I've eaten at a lot of Outbacks. I'm still waiting for them to put an Outback in an airport because mm. I feel like that's a win-win for everybody. But I digress. Uh, our guests today are two musicians who definitely are not eating Blooming Onions before they go to perform. Uh Jessica Vines and Connor Lee, they were kind enough to bring instruments and we had a, a live performance. So JJ Meets World First as like a full performance yeah. of a song. It's kind of like an exclusive. And uh, full disclosure, I had never really heard of Jessica Vines beforehand, but since then, they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're awesome. I'm really impressed with the music that they played for us. And if you follow us on Facebook, um, you'll probably have seen that uh, the days leading up to this, we released two videos of their music performance. So you can just go and take that in now after you listen to this podcast, if you'd like. Just enjoy um, and catch them live. Gotta get, catch catch yeah. these cats live if you get a chance. Yeah, there's there is a an an old timiness to Jessica's voice that really captured my attention. Yeah, um, got an old soul. Yeah, and just kind of the it just like it's yeah, soul is the right word to put in there. Um, this is a lot of fun for me. You know, I don't know a lot about music other than what my taste in music is. And so this conversation was interesting to hear from a performer standpoint. And I got to ask a couple questions. I've always wondered being I've been the audience member, not the person on stage during a, a musical review of sorts. Right. And so I got to ask those questions, which was kind of fun for me today. And uh, they were nice enough to indulge, though, even though Connor and I uh, get into a disagreement during this about whether or not music is a universal language. Um, interesting. Maybe we'll put a poll on our Facebook page of, <laughs> and it's not, what do you think? It's who do you back? Right. <laughs> who do you back? What team are you on? Connor Lee or JJ Gordon? Uh, folks, thank you so much to those of you who have been our Patreon subscribers. You're the bees knees, you're top notch. Uh, you, you know, you're the, you're a Waldorf salad and uh, we appreciate that. If you would like to give to this podcast, remember you don't pay a thing for it. We only ask if you like it to throw something our way. Patreon.com.com.com.com would be a scam website. Right. Don't go to that one. No, patreon.com slash JJ meets world. And uh, even a dollar, the price of a, a cup of coffee at McScronald's. Uh, can make a big difference in how we produce our podcast. So uh, I want you folks to get ready to enjoy uh, an amazing episode. And remember that if you like their music, go see their shows. Don't just rip this episode and steal their music. <laughs> do not do that. Don't. We are light years past the Napster phase, folks. JJ Meets World. JJ Meets World. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Connor Lee, Jessica Vines. I'm told we're starting this podcast with a shout out to some dude named Alex. Alex Van Eckout, who is a buddy of mine from the poker tour days where he's still working. And uh, I had actually approached him about him coming on this podcast. He's got a really interesting backstory. He's a really cool guy, really talented. And he goes, oh, oh I don't know. 
maybe who you should really talk to is this band I'm playing with right now. And uh, so that's how we got in touch with these two is uh, through Alex. And I'm still trying to convince Alex to come on the podcast. You're great, Alex. You should come on. That was really good. (laughs) So, Alex, there are no more shout-outs, to my knowledge, at the beginning of this. I don't intend on shouting out again, so if you want to tune out right now, go for it. Uh, We will not mention you again. (laughs) Nope. Yep. Uh, So, tell me a little bit about yourselves. Jessica, why don't we start with you? Uh, Where are you from? What do you do? What do you like? All the good stuff. Good. Yeah. All the hits. All the the hits. Uh, (laughs) I'm originally from Southern California. I moved here my senior year of high school, and then I went to MSUM. Um, So right now, I am a voice teacher, and I perform with Connor. So what's it like moving from Southern California to this the ultra upper Midwest? North. The North. Yeah. (laughs) Especially your senior year, too. That had to have been like a culture shock like no other. It was. Yeah. It was weird. Um, but I, I feel like I had it very easy because coming from California to here, at least on the surface, everyone is very nice here. So. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 like, she's dead sorry. on. Dead on. No, dead on. Do you know what I Like the whole like North Dakota nice thing. Like, mm-hmm. so everyone was so welcoming and friendly um, coming here. I think if I had gone to California, I would have been like, ooh, I don't like this. But, um, yeah, so I came from California to a much nicer place. People have to be nice here. It's so cold. Yeah. You've got to survive up Mm -hmm. here. I think you have to be slightly neighborly. Yeah. Because you never know when you'll need something. Or it's a long winter. Or, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So then you went to MSUM. Music has always been a part of your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been singing since I was really young. Um, did like the classic, sang in church, mm-hmm. um, took voice lessons as a kid. And then, um, I moved here and I didn't really do that much my senior year cause it was just kind of too late to get involved in anything. Um, but then did you, did you start your senior year here or did you come midway through your senior year? I started, Okay, started and I went to, to Fargo South, which I know you went Me too. to. Yeah. Oh, too. Oh, too. What year did you graduate? Uh, 2013. Okay. A little bit different. <laughs> a little later. A little, little different. <laughs> yeah, Just we didn't slightly run into different. Each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then I got back into it in college. So t- tell me a little bit about the difference in how you perceive like things like voice lessons and being a part of like the, the singing culture in Southern California versus up here. Because like you said, I sang in church and I think that a lot of people I know, that's how they started singing too, was singing in church was a a part of it. And they got hired to to sing at a a funeral and would make 20 bucks here. Or Mm -hmm. they were a soloist at somebody's wedding and they got $50 for that. Yeah, But there are people who just sing all the time and find all these different resources. But it must have been a much bigger talent pool in Southern California than it was up here for people who really wanted to sing. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough for me to say cause I was so young. Um, and I, I lived in like a suburb outside of LA. So it wasn't like I was in the heart of, of where all the hip cool music was going on. Um, but it is different. People here I find are so supportive of the arts, at least from my experience, they are so supportive of the arts and, um, want to come out and support. And maybe it is that thing of like, everyone is so neighborly because yeah. <laughs> you have to be. Um, so 
I think there are a lot more opportunities here, which is really cool. Uh, I think one thing about the upper Midwest is that we want to we want to insource as much as possible. So that's one of the reasons why we're so supportive of other people, especially taking leaps and bounds with something like the arts. Mm-hmm. So you get folks who say, "Gosh, you know, we absolutely like oh, I, you got to go to this recital." And so it's easy to get a hundred people to pack into you know a small venue somewhere mm-hmm. to come see something to support because we want more of that to happen, even if it's not necessarily your jam. Like for example, I don't understand. Uh, some visual art. It just goes right over my head. But I will buy a ticket every single time because I want more of that stuff and I want more of those individuals to stay here and to keep creating here. Yeah, totally. Which I think is really special about this area. I feel very lucky to have landed here when I did. I know a lot of people were kind of like, oh, that probably sucked for your career that you you know came from <clears throat> Southern California and you moved up here. And... I mean, maybe we will never know, but I feel very lucky for the opportunities that I've had and that I've gotten to meet some really awesome musicians like Connor and everyone in our band band that makes it fun and, um, I don't know, gives us the opportunity to do it. Well, something that, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, you go for it. Something that, that your generation and our generation has as a benefit is just the internet and that ability <laughs> to reach people all over the globe, you know, wherever you are. So, um, you know, it used, it used to be that if you wanted any kind of career in any art form, media, anything that attracted an audience, you had to go to a major, major metropolitan area. Right. Um, you, you had to. There just wasn't really an option because you couldn't find an audience size to scale. But now with the internet, you can really be anywhere. I mean, we've been downloaded all over the world, except Wyoming for some weird reason. But that's, uh, that's a, actually going to change today. That's a whole another story. Yeah, I got a hold of somebody today, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to see my dad, and my dad lives in Wyoming. I'm if like, if he doesn't do it. do it, then we're doing an episode about how much we hate the state of Wyoming just Ooh. to get the Google search results so someone will download or it. Or we'll have yeah. a GoFundMe to go broadcast <laughs> in Wyoming. That's I would other. support that. Right? Yeah. But, but uh, the hating... Wyoming help and motivate people from Wyoming to download the podcast? Yes, because <laughs> because the theory here is that any time anyone on, say, Comedy Central, like uh, John Oliver, makes a slight joke about Fargo, North Dakota, it is front-page news. People are talking about it, writing letters to the editor, getting all sorts <laughs> of attention for it. Wow. And so, I mean, it's certainly negative attention, but they haven't given us any positive attention up to this point, so if, I'll take whatever we can If we're going to crap on something... Probably won't be the whole state of Wyoming, but we'll pick something uh, very specific. Like I don't know, like <laughs> the like the the dean transfers insurance in Laramie, right. Wyoming, something like that. Yeah. I mean, but like, they're, they're like <laughs> dean, you can go to he double hockey sticks. <laughs> but even look at the borders of Oof. the state; it's like bo- it's boring. It's a boring border. Listen, pattern. don't crap on them yet. Let <laughs> yeah. him give them a chance. Give them a chance. I don't know. Maybe you wow. guys have a big following in Wyoming, and I'm hurting your chances right now. Yeah, but. you know what? That um, is that's a. Good, I didn't think about that. I didn't either. But no. do, do we have a following in Wyoming? Um, I don't think so. It's news to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was so. going <laughs> to piggyback on Tucker's point. So as a comedian, I have made way more being based out of North Dakota than I ever did being based out of Chicago because mm-hmm. there were so many other people chasing that exact same dream in Chicago mm-hmm. than there are in Fargo. Am I going to get a chance to audition for Saturday Night Live? No. I am not going to get scouted for that because that's what those people who are doing the main stage at Second City are trying to grind their way to, getting that chance to 
progress that further bit on. Yeah. But I've got an, an immensely popular business. Oh, this studio space we're in right now in Chicago would be 20 times what we're paying for it here. <laughs> totally. But yeah. yet people in Chicago are listening to this like mad. So I think, it, wow. you know, nowadays it doesn't matter where you are with the mm. advent of YouTube and mm-hmm. things like SoundCloud. I mean, you, you guys could get, you guys could be heard anywhere. Totally. Yeah. I mean, what is it? What is it? The rule, Connor, you were just saying like the rule of six. Is that what it is? Yeah, or like you can know anyone. Really good on those mics, guys, actually. Oh, yeah. sorry. No, I think you're good. You're good. Um, you can really know anybody through just like six people, right? So like mm-hmm. you get somebody to share something and their friend sees it and thinks it's cool and they share it. And then all of a sudden, Brad Pitt is watching our, our video. I don't think that that's going to happen. Oh, like, I thought you were basically saying that happened. I was like, that was did that no, happen? No, uh, I don't know. Brad Pitt, if you have seen my video, please reach out to me. Let's mm-hmm. be friends. Yeah, it, hopefully you are listening to this podcast, which yeah. is how you'd be getting this message in the first and place. And let's also say, we're specifically talking about Brad Pitt of Hollywood stardom, former wife of Angelina Jolie, not just some dude named Brad Pitt, right? No, if some, yeah, random dude on oh, Facebook yeah. messages me, like, yeah, I saw oh, your no. video. Yeah, I'm talking no. about Brad Pitt. P I T T E. No, no, the comptroller in oh. uh, in uh, Pittsburgh. That's, that's Brad Pith. Oh, that's right. I'm with getting, a th. Getting confused. Um, <laughs> tiny details. So, Connor, tell me a little bit about your story. Um, yeah. So, I grew up in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and home of Mabel Murphy's. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why JJ is the host. He knows those things. Yep. I have. I wouldn't. Right be able it was to call that for out. a while. I I really believed it was the best. <laughs> oh, Maple Murphy. Yeah, it's it's. I, for a while, I thought it was the best salad bar in the United States. <laughs> now I no it's, longer think that. Oh, I was going to say that's going to be interesting. Oh uh, yeah, no they, <laughs> they they do have a. I thought like a nice salad bar. I like their prime rib. Is that where? <laughs> you, oh, I love prime rib too. And it was good there. Is that the type of place where when you went to prom, like, like everyone went to Mabel Murphy's is like oh. the place everyone had dinner? What did I do on prom? Um, probably. They probably went there. Um, I don't remember if we went. If I Did I go to I did not participate in any post-prom Mabel Murphy's action. So oh, no. I was thinking before prom. Like oh, the before. fancy dinner oh, before sorry. The post prom action should be fast food and pancakes and stuff like that, right? Mm. Because oh yeah, because spent it's all late. night dancing to the hits from the nineties. <laughs> Destiny's Child. Yeah, you know. in JJ's mind, like it's still the same playlist that we had, <laughs> but at every prom. Still. Listen, have you heard? Have you heard the DJs that operate in this region? Yeet. It is still they still bring CD wallets, but they still play songs too that they shouldn't be playing at schools in school. such as oh, name for like sure. Superman. Yeah. By uh, the rap song by uh, um, I'm blinking on his name. That is a filthy song. Mm-hmm. That is a filthy mm-hmm. song. And I picked up my little brother and from middle school from a dance one day, and all the kids and the chaperones were dancing to Superman. And I'm oh, like, Are you no. kidding me? I mean, this is awesome. I'm I'm happy this is happening because this is amazing. You know what song is also filthy that no one ever like really takes the time to dig into? Is do you, you guys know the musical Grease? Mm-hmm. Like the even the movie. So. The Greased Lightning, that song. It's filthy. It's filthy. It's filthy. Oh, it wow. is really filthy. So what is mm. the filthiest song you guys <laughs> sing, play? Oh, stop. No, um, Connor's going to get so excited what? to answer this Again, question. This is, this we play be. all of my songs. Okay. So. Well, yeah. I would, I, well I, typically. I would yeah. say in your sort of performance retinue, like like something that you might it's pull out at a concert. Filthy. We, uh, we before... Our cover band 
disbanded. We oh, were going to no. do promiscuous girls. That, and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was my suggestion. It was mostly just to like piss off the other guy in my band because he's like, I'm not singing that song. And I was like, I think it'd be fun. It and also I, pissed me off. Yeah, but, it like know. pissed everyone off. They're like, yeah. I'm not playing promiscuous girl. But I was like, tell me you don't like shake uh, your head a little I, when you hear it though. I think almost any story needs to begin with. Remember when, before we disbanded our cover band? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Like starting with that for anything is awesome. I cannot wait to hear what happens after that phrase. I can keep going. Please do. Yeah. Well, so you had a cover band. We did, we did. Back in college. We did. What was it called? Up top. Up top. Like a mm-hmm. high five. Yeah. yeah. Like up top. Oh, high five. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of music? Mm-hmm. Whose music, I guess? It's cover band. That's um, a great question. Yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of a, an odd mix. We had like a lot of, um, I don't know, we did some Beatles tunes, some mm-hmm. um, ZZ Top, and then we did like current stuff by like Kesha yeah. and Katy Perry. <laughs> and, and of course, you guys kept your ASCAP licensing in order <laughs> the entire time as a cover band to make sure that you were appropriately compensating the artists. Always. Correct? I think yep. it's always. the venue that has to we, do that. We always so. looked into the venues. <laughs> yes, we made sure to see the contracts. Always. Here's the thing. <laughs> have you ever like have you ever heard about like when a group will show up to a gig and someone in a suit shows up and be like, shut down. My mom actually got contacted because my mom runs a, a like a Irish dance school for little kids. Oh wow. And uh, she's only had a class size of maybe ten kids. Like it wasn't a big thing. And she would do one concert a year for all their parents to come watch them dance. And she would usually play Cotton Eye Joe. As like they would do as like a fun thing for the kids to yeah. do is like a little dance. And because she was doing Cotton Eye Joe at little things around Fargo, yeah. she got contact and was like, You you owe us some money. No Cease and desist. Way. Yeah. Yeah. I know more venues that have gotten like the letter or whatever, like cease and desist. Um I had friends who were a little older than me in college. They I think I don't what the situation was, but they were they were doing like um like like pretty much background jazz music, I guess, and something came up where they, you know, like, hey, we don't have any licensing, so you 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 can't play any music that is in in public domain. So I guess the whole gig they were playing like contrafacts, like made up contrafacts on the spot. Ooh. So if you don't know what a contrafact is, a contrafact is when you take a jazz standard and you keep the chord progression, but you write a new melody. Okay. So, and I I just think like man, like usually you every jazz musician or whatever has like their set of tunes that they've learned and they, you know, they can call on a gig, but then to be like, well, you can't play any of that. And you just have to like make up new melodies on the spot. Cause this venue doesn't have like all of proper licensing to me is like, that's, that sounds hard. <laughs> oh. You know, because I don't have a musical ear. I'd probably walk in and be like, you guys, that was great. I didn't notice anything. No differences at all. Sound like jazz to me. Worst ASCAP lawyer ever. Uh, how much in the toilet does the music industry have to be where they're serving places like the Windbreak right. with a cease and desist or a bill? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? At, the, at this point, I understand that these, you know, but are you taking away from, from Kesha's net worth by doing a Kesha song yeah. during your well, set? If anything, she, you're taking away from ASCAP's net worth. Yeah. Exactly. Their ability yeah. to, I mean, to provide, you know, the value required to. Kesha's yeah. having bigger, had bigger problems anyway. 
<laughs> than know. us playing one of her songs. Well, I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just trying to get out of her her contract yeah. and all yeah. that stuff. So. And we've even like we've done gigs. <laughs> one time we played a duo gig, and we play um, Logical Man as a duo. What? Right. Logical song. Logical song. <laughs> oh gosh. Cut that it's all out. Right. I'm Sorry, just kidding. you know all the words. That's all it's, that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, logical song, and um, so we were playing this at the gig, and as soon as we were done, and it was like a few moments of silence in between us playing and the break music playing, somebody pulled it up on their phone and started playing the original, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. and we're like, "Is that a compliment?" Or I, I wanna. <laughs> Do you think they shazammed you? No way. I think they were like, oh, I remember the song. Let's listen to it the way it should be done. <laughs> I can see that, like that, like, you know. Oh, man, singing it. I mean, probably like one of our parents specifically yeah, totally. being like, oh, I love that song. I love this song. I want to hear it. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of like someone who maybe is, is really used to the passive environment of Netflix where there's, you can do whatever you want as an mm-hmm. audience member and, and you're not worried about bothering the artists on screen yeah and then they just carry that over to a live setting they're like no i i always use my phone whenever i want that's a really insightful like look on like why people do that yeah but Mm -hmm. i've i'm usually not that kind well i'm a a member of a theater company in town theater b and you know like in theater you deal with it all the time Mm -hmm. you know that is the most disruptive place for a self besides a funeral or a wedding is a is a theater show yeah because like it's not you're not being covered in sound like you are at a concert where people are shouting and clapping and and all the music's playing Mm. um like a scene is playing out in front of you and the silence of the audience is necessary for for you to be able to even soak it in in the first place because Mm -hmm. you've done an adequate job building the tension Mm -hmm. and someone steals that from you Mm -hmm. they steal that moment and so whatever you do next is deflated and i (laughs) I actually remember watching or noticing Mm -hmm. the shift change because when i first joined that company about 12 years ago at the time, the only time we'd get, besides like a cell phone going off, mm. um, the only time we'd get some sort of thing from the audience would usually be an old person who is so invested in the show that they're not noticing the fact that they're talking about the show that they're watching. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a play where I was playing this teenager who had been involved in this accident or whatever. And when I walk on stage and it's silent and then I hear this old woman go, oh, he is such a sad boy. Oh. And that that threw me off for a moment, but yeah. now it's literally like, you know, and the lights from people's phones coming on yeah. and they're doing mm-hmm. Snapchat and they're texting and, yeah. and probably like, I've seen it where a parent brings their disinterested kid and oh. gives them their phone yep. and the kid with headphones in is basically playing Minecraft on their phone at this, at this show. Drives me insane. So in, wow. so take something like music. Mm-hmm. So music isn't as invested as let's say a theater piece is for concentration wise because you can you you absorb it in a different way than you absorb like having to watch like a play so does it bother you when you look out into the crowd and there's somebody in there snapping but their head is still you know bobbing back and forth so they're still following the beat i think it depends on like what it is if it's like a tap room or whatever and then it's like you know we're just kind of there Mm-hmm. But if if you know if we're if we're doing like a we were in school and doing like our our recitals and like yeah. that's the focus is to literally come and see us and the whole time someone is like you know on their phone I'm like well and like leave if you you know yeah I don't I honestly don't mind it too much um, 
it makes me feel less awkward to know that people aren't watching mm. me the entire time because I am human and sometimes do weird things. So I like to think that that's just when everybody is on their phone or something or looking away. Um, so I don't mind it that much, but it, it's a thing too of like how, how much, you know, if it's the whole show, then like, go to the back you know like don't be up front um but if it's somebody enjoying the show and they're like taking snapchats of that like go for it why not you know what you just said reminds me actually of uh maynard keenan from tool there was a period of time where when they'd be on tour and he'd be performing on stage he would actually stand behind the band in the shadows because Mm. he felt that him being the lead singer he was drawing too much attention from like what the music that they were actually doing and he wanted to meld in uh, like a member of the band and he, he would go back and forth with that sometimes he'd be front and center the weird mohawk and weird costume on and other times he'd be like almost like his anxiety was so much that he's like I want to be here and I want to make this music but I don't want to feel like I've got all this attention on me at the mm-hmm. same time as yeah. well so d- does that something that you ever feel on stage uh, e- even as a performer so you're regularly going and doing something like that, but do you still get anxiety about performing? I yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't normally get, again, depending on the gig, like I don't normally, if we're playing a John Carrot or something, I don't get nervous before it anymore. But, um, you know, if it's a bigger show, definitely. And Mm -hmm. I think if it is one of those shows where people are going to see us, it can definitely be really like, whew, you know, what do I do with my hands again? <laughs> yeah. um, but then at like two songs in, mm-hmm. it's like, it feels natural. Yep. Well, you should also note that Junkyard is a local brewery. So those of you listening in Wyoming, like you guys oh, aren't yes. performing in a, a garbage dump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at yeah. least to my knowledge. Yeah. But uh, with delicious beer. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'll, beer. Every, every brewery I go to doesn't compare, in my opinion. Oh, wow. I love Junkyard. We give you plenty of reasons We're never gonna to get not a gig be anywhere else. Part yeah. of I know. Sure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, What's the biggest crowd size you guys hold have on, played? Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I unfairly took away from Connor telling his story oh, by I... talking about prom and Mabel Murphy. Oh. So, like, let's just get a little <laughs> oh, deeper yeah. into Connor real quick. <laughs> yeah, we go on tangents. Yeah. That's okay. Um, so, think, keep your thought. But, I mean, we're halfway through this episode, wow. and I let him say he's from Fergus Falls. <laughs> Boom. Shut down. I mean, that's really about it. So <laughs> You lost your target in Fergus Falls. That sucks. We did. We. Uh, <laughs> oh, I yeah. was like, what does that mean? Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. target is, is, um, is gone. And Herbergers, I think, is gone. Those were like two of the like the big stores. So I don't really know what's going on. So yeah, it's weird. So what? So Fergus Falls, and then what? Yep. So I grew up in Fergus. Um, I graduated from high school there in 2011, and then I started school at MSUM. And I think that's I don't know. I like doing stuff. I guess. Did you ever yeah. sneak into the old like state hospital down in Fergus Falls? Like, was that a thing <laughs> oh that you guys gosh. did at all? Um, I admit to that. You know, podcast. Well, whatever. I'll say whatever. But it's, uh, private, it's privately owned now, so don't yeah. worry about it. I mean, you know, I don't think we. Well, actually, now they're now they're giving tours of it. But, yeah. But um, no, I, <laughs> I never did that whole thing. But I had like a, a friend who. Like, I think towards the end of our friendship, like, I started to kind of really question his sanity because he was hanging out with this girl, and she, and I guess she was like, "Let's go to the state hospital. I'll get my Ouija board, and we'll like see what's hanging." And I'm like, "What is wrong with you? Like, no." And you know, he was like, 
really into it and maybe her and i'm like okay like don't invite he me he was definitely into her there's you don't if yeah. you don't go to do you don't break into a they're like mental hospital to do a Ouija board with a girl that you don't like. <laughs> you just oh, don't yeah. do that. True. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah. That's not behavior that happens. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I was just kind of like, all right, no thanks. Also, I am not getting into your car ever again. Because, <laughs> because, you know, because then, you know, like he'd tell me about it and the, he was like, yeah. So this, the board told me that like the spirits following you. And I'm like, that's not encouraging. So mm. I'm not going to, you know, do that or hang out with that. Anyway. Um, that ended up being kind of like really freaky, huh? Yeah. Like, that's, okay. that's what I think of when, when people say the state hospital is like, oh, yeah, like my friend <laughs> went out with a girl with a Ouija board. <laughs> uh, do you believe in ghosts, Connor? Um, <laughs> you didn't think you were going to get that question today. <laughs> I, I am easily frightened by the supernatural. Okay. So, yeah. It's, so, well, it's scary. You, yeah. you, Jessica, yeah? I don't know that I believe like in ghosts. I definitely believe in like spirits though. Cause mm-hmm. like I've definitely walked into a house before and you're like, Ooh, you got the heebie doobies. There's something there, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but. What you Tucker? I don't think I've ever asked you that question. Do I believe in ghosts? Yeah. I haven't heard a ghost story that I didn't feel was. Every story I've heard always feels like it's explainable away in some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, what is the line from, um, there's a Shakespearean line about there are more mysteries in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Oh, like, yeah. like I have trouble seeing, you know, further than two feet when I'm not wearing my glasses. So mm. I'm not going to judge too much about whether ghosts are real. Mm. I'll think they're not until I see one, I guess. Yeah. So I get slimed. Uh, <laughs> I, when it comes down to it, like my closest paranormal experience involved uh, going to this like really rural cemetery that is so off the beaten path. Like the 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 latest gravestone is like 1926, mm. and then further back, and drinking with some friends. And then we went back to my lake cabin, and one of my friends was like, "Oh yeah, man, like that place is just stupid." And I was and I was thinking like you know we shouldn't have been drinking in this graveyard like that was rude and you know we're we're playing music and we we're kind of being ruckus we we're all standing on my front porch at my lake cabin middle I mean middle of the night we're talking like three o'clock in the morning and we heard the sound of like running from the woods and it got closer and closer and closer and then suddenly we heard clomp 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 oh. on the wood and then we heard the sound of running again in the woods nobody passed in front of us mm-hmm. and so spectral bride wow. yeah so uh after i cleaned up my pooped pants <laughs> uh, oh, i said to myself i'm like well i'm not gonna not gonna do anything because then and this is years before google right so we were all like god did we pull something back with us i don't know is there a spell that we <laughs> can do i don't know you guys mm. i think the closest the like sketchiest uh paranormal situation that i've been i was at a friend's house and um we were having dinner and they had just gotten one of those alexa things mm. so we're all just chatting talking about our weeks our highs our lows and all of a sudden this alexa starts reading this book that none of us have and it's in the middle and it's like none of us have the book we hadn't even heard of it. We had to like Google, like we were like, Alexa, what book is that? And it was like the logic in an illogical world or something like that. So random. Nobody had their audio book like on. 
It was very, all of us were very sketched oh. out. Mm-hmm. They started asking questions. I said, that's enough or I'm leaving. Because this <laughs> is so, it's. Ooh. Maybe we've advanced enough with AI technology where it's now easier for the other side to get a hold of us. So, Maybe. for example, oh. you take something like Alexa, which has the ability to, without, you know, without having to click, it's automatically connected to a world of knowledge. And so mm-hmm. if someone's trying to send you a message, they're able to manipulate that in a way where they don't have to use like a key. There's, you know, there's not like a ghostly hand pressing on a keyboard <laughs> right. saying like, what was free that, me. that uh, PBS show Ghost Writer? Yeah, ghost, just like yeah, just like Ghost Writer. Yeah, I, only I, you which, don't ha- only you don't have to be near uh, a set of magnets on a fridge. That show creeped <laughs> me out. I also hate the fact that I'm at the age now where I have to say it's a little bit before you guys' time. I yeah. think I'm yes. never, I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was like, yeah, Ghost Writer. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> like where a bunch of kids found a dead kid who communicated <gasps> with them through, like, could manipulate, like, they'd look up at a sign and ghost writer Yeah, the whole thing is to teach words. you about reading and writing. It's oh. an educational show. And then these kids who could communicate with this ghost, um, or the ghost chose to communicate with them, they would solve <laughs> mysteries. The ghost would help them solve. And For the, example, there's one where a guy had, like, a local video store, and he was making illegal dubs of VHS <laughs> tapes. So, and it was the dad from ALF. That was a... That episode... <laughs> really got me see that to me is funny because those don't exist anymore video rental (laughs) stores those are done oh yeah but but like so if you put out like a bunch of letters in front of ghostwriter it could then rearrange the letters into something so it couldn't pick up a pencil or pen and write but then if you had a computer it could just be in the computer and type the words out on the screen oh my god so they would usually communicate with the ghost just by typing into this computer and then the computer the the ghost would use the computer to type i don't know if i'd rather just like not if that was my way of learning how to read like if my mom said hey (laughs) billy here the ghost in our house is actually going to take it from here with your reading Uh i think i'd say you know i'm good that's a really good let's call it i'll be illiterate well the first the first children's program that taught me about reading though was that one where the witch has the princess in the basement of her castle and she's forced to make the witch books and the witch has this giant conveyor belt machine which is puzzles me why she needs the princess to do this because you just all the princess would do is she'd be like okay we need a a book about a camera and a cup of coffee and this banana and i'm going to put these three things into this machine and then a book's going to come out and then i'm going to read the book and so yeah that she was kidnapped yep she was living in hell and she was making books for this witch, and this is what I'd watch in kindergarten. What angle are they trying to get at with That's kids a, and reading? Like, like, if you not read, you're gonna get kidnapped. Yeah, I've never been hmm. in a position where I really felt the presence of the paranormal, but I have been in places that feel, for lack of a better word, ancient. Mm-hmm. Like they just feel old, and you just you you feel the sense that humans have been walking in that space for hundreds yeah. if not thousands totally. of years totally yeah. totally like, like there's cool history feeling. yeah mm-hmm. history to it a mm-hmm. uh, few times just you know in my travels i'll go someplace with some history to it and go to an old you know temple or something that that is hundreds of years old and you feel something in there for sure one of my favorite experiences, Tucker's grandmother took us to this old civil war cemetery when we were in Kentucky Ooh. where at the time, they planted like a small weeping willow tree, and now it's two hundred years later, and yeah, this weeping wow. willow is it's the Lexington huge. Cemetery. It is, I mean, it's gorgeous. Constantly, people are constantly going in there and doing the like chalk rubbings 
of the Ooh. gravestones where you put a piece of paper over it and then you rub it with chalk and you, the Protestants are buried over here and the Catholics are buried over here. <laughs> they're divided in wow. the section of the cemetery wow. that they're in. And then there are a few old crypts there. Mm-hmm. So people who actually have like a room built into the side of a hill that's chained off for eternity, they're in there. And then Henry Clay, the famous senator, his tomb is there. And that's a cool place to go to because, yeah, there, there are gravestones that they're so weathered away you can't even read who's buried there anymore because they were making their gravestones before marble. Oh, that's crazy. Music. Yeah, oh, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's notes. Yeah. So do you both read music? Yes. Uh, a little, yeah. I can make my way around it. So I think it's interesting that the you could show me characters from uh, other typesets. So, like, let's say you show me Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. I can't identify that directly as Japanese, but the music of language, I know immediately when you show me a treble clef, I'm like, oh, it's it's music. I'm looking at music. But mm-hmm. if you use, mm-hmm. I, I find that interesting because it's a it's a universal language. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the is it the Gregorian scale? Is that what we use? Oh, um, I know you're like. Like uh, Greek city states and like the oh yeah and then from modes and everything yeah 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 mm-hmm. yep. so when when you so that you could give that to someone in Russia who doesn't speak English at all and you could give another one to somebody from Australia and you can give another one to somebody from Kansas mm-hmm. and all three of those people could read the exact same note and go boom and pluck pluck out the same thing mm-hmm. uh, without having to know the language the other person's working in. And that, to me, is awesome. I mm. love the idea of something that's universal mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, I'm actually going to maybe take the opportunity to rock the boat a little bit. No, please do. And, do it. Because I've heard you know a lot of people say it's a universal language. And sometimes I, I think I disagree with the... with where I think what they're trying to go with... I think it's... Uh, Sometimes I, sometimes I think it's like they're trying to make like a more complex statement than um, I think it really is because um, I think that's like saying everybody speaks a language versus it being something that everybody can understand. So I took like I have a I have an interest in like world music and so systems in like um, from like Indonesia or like India are like very different like they have i think so india uses like um quarter steps but in western music we only have half steps oh. mm-hmm. and so listening to, to like traditional indian music it sounds like out of tune to us but to them it's like a very natural thing or like how people like you know define melody or um or harmony and saying like, well, you know, I think if you were to ask each one of us, what, what, what needs to be present to make a song? I think all of us would have an answer, but it's from a Western scope compared to like, if like listening to like Indonesian gamelan music, the it's, that's still a song or still a music, but it's a completely different set of priorities. And so I thought, you know, so then like if I took like, you know, so even if everybody, I think, was literate in terms of reading, if you took, like, a jazz saxophonist, um, an Indian sitar player, uh, a classically trained pianist, and then... Um, a kazoo? 
Uh, yeah, a kazoo, and then like maybe some sort of like um, percussion percussionist from somewhere in like Africa. I don't think that there'd be enough similarity for it to be to suddenly click. And so I think like everybody can speak. Paul Simon would disagree with you wholeheartedly <laughs> because the Graceland album is built it's solely on the opposite of what you're saying. But I I see where you're coming from on that. Well, it makes me go, you know, what would music sound like on an alien planet, right? That has no connection mm-hmm. to our culture, that doesn't share anything with us whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, do, I mean, do they even have the concept for it? But if they do, what does it sound like? Does it sound... Do chord progressions sound anything like they do here on the other side of the universe? What do you think alien music sounds like? Give me an example of... Ah! Right? Oh, I have no my idea. goodness. Judging from amazing. the film The Fifth Element, it's just very similar to opera. Oh, But it's yeah. very electronic. Yeah. Yeah. Electronic opera. Oh. Well, because ultimately you're, there's this aesthetic judgment, too, that different sounds mean different things, evoke different emotions. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember, you know, in music class in school just getting examples of playing this chord progression and that was supposed to be scary and then this chord progression and that was supposed to sound romantic right Mm -hmm. so just even those distinctions aren't i would argue encoded into the music itself but into how we react to that particular pathway of notes so i would just assume that it's in 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 a similar way but taken to an extreme of what you're saying you know, if you were to remove a culture completely from this world, would they make the same musical discoveries we do, or would theirs be completely different? You know, I, I guess I had a teacher who, his, he was really into, um, really heavily engaged active listening, and he, he had a, I think, a really interesting point where, like, he's like, what, how, what, what do you feel when you hear this section of music, and. And before any of us would answer, and I don't want you to give me any visual description because all of you have been brainwashed by cinema. Yeah, where that's you, true. you hear something and you see something where you think, well, I could see this this scene of like, you know, an action thing or a breakup or it's like, no, I don't I don't want to hear any like visual things, but I want to tap into like you as a human and like just your core of like emotion. And that was like really hard, I think, for any of us to do because you know, it's like, oh, that sounds like Game of Thrones, yeah, or whatever. And it's like, no, I don't want, I don't want that answer. So I'm recently was have been re- had been reading for the first time actually the Fellowship of the Rings books, and I wanted to wait for a long enough time from the movies so that I wouldn't have the imagery from the movies ingrained into my brain. And the only way I've really been able to enjoy the books has been to try and picture what it must have been like to read these books when they were first published before there was this really stark cinematic language that is in everyone's brain because mm-hmm. we're getting bombarded with it constantly all the time. And I kind of feel like we're, we are at a disadvantage in that th- those of us in this era and that it's not easy for us to break away from that, that that's been pummeled into us. Mm-hmm. Everything is visual. Yeah. So I'm reading a book and I'm, and I'm picturing the movie playing in my head and I don't mm, want to, right. I, I would rather experience that a different way. Yeah. I talked to an elementary school teacher who said that, you can't, like her, for book reports in her class, you can't read any book that has a cartoon or a movie or anything like that associated with it. So That's getting the, hard. It is. Yeah. It really is. And so the, in their library, their librarian has been tasked with, okay, so finding 
literature that hasn't been adapted well. in some way. And really, if if you wrote a a book, you know, you've got a you've got a clear visual in your head of what it's going to be, and then when you turn it over to even the publisher, who starts doing things like, okay, well, we're going to add some pictures inside each chapter, and all of a sudden that morphs what your original intent is but i also think that after you write a book and you put it out you put it out to the imagination of the world and so mm-hmm. my my job isn't to interpret exactly what connor is thinking when he wrote these words my job is to interpret how i am reacting and feeling about the words that you're putting together i think you talking about writing is actually a good segue i've been wanting to ask about your process when in creating new music Mm. Um, uh, since you were talking about how right now you play your songs. Mm -hmm. So songwriting was one of those things that growing up I always wanted to be able to do and never put in the work to really get good at doing it. So is songwriting something that kind of came to either of you naturally or was it sort of the, the goal that you had to work towards as musicians to get to a place where you feel like you are a songwriter? For me, um, it was also something as a younger person that I always wanted to do. Um, I always really wanted to be in a band. Like, that was my thing. Like, I wanted to be, like, the Haley Williams of Paramore. Not necessarily style-wise, but just, like, you know, you think of Paramore, like, you can see her, but it's a band. And I that was always kind of, like, what I was really drawn to. Um, and then I went to college when you first start music school, I knew, I knew nothing. Like if you would have said, what is a C on the treble clef? I would have been like, which one's a treble clef? Like I knew nothing. So when I first started, it's so overwhelming to understand how much you don't understand, you know, to like learn how much you don't know. So I would write stuff and I was like, this all sucks. Like I am not a good writer. I suck. I am way too simple. I hate everything that I write. And so I, I've, didn't think that I'd ever write music pretty much my entire college career. I just didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I had that gift. And then um, I kind of got to a place where I was like, okay, well, I want to be an original music artist. So that means I have to write. So I'm going to write stuff. And if it's bad, whatever. Um, and then it, I wrote a song that I thought was kind of cool. I showed Connor. I was like, hey, what do you think of this? And he goes, yeah, we can play it. And I was like, sick. <laughs> I've made it. And so from then on, I just kept writing and um, listening. So it was not natural at all. It was something that I definitely had to learn. And I feel like I'm still learning a lot. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't natural. It's something I worked towards. I used to record songs off the radio when I was a kid onto like a tape. Mm-hmm. And um, I once recorded Eye of the Tiger and then listened to it enough times that I thought I was getting the lyrics right. I wrote the mm-hmm. lyrics down. Mm-hmm. And then I showed it to my mom, and I tried to tell her that I wrote it. And I said, Mom, I wrote a song. <laughs> and I showed her the lyrics, and she said, this is basically I Have the Tiger, but you've got some of these words wrong, too. <laughs> and she just called me out right away. Oh, that's that's awesome. the closest I ever got to nice. <laughs> writing was cheating. Uh, I would take the melody of another song and just add other words to it. Oh, think nice. I was like, yeah, I'm really, really crushing this thing right now. <laughs> but I mean, Weird Al made a, has made a career out of that. He really but has. But he's also a brilliant yeah. musician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe he also, insanely brilliant. Yeah. And lest we forget, you know, half of his catalog is original music. Yep. You know, yeah. that last, last time he was in Fargo, it was on a tour where he was only playing his original music. Oh, and cool. it was awesome. 
Mm-hmm. I, I like watching video of uh, musics, uh, musics, uh, musical artists in the studio working on something. Mm-hmm. I like watching, uh, especially rap artists in the studio, I like watching their process. But I watched one with Weird Al where he was in just an edit suite and he wasn't the one at the computer. He was the one sitting back on the couch with like no shoes and socks on. And he was just directing the the technician at the computer what to do. Mm. And he was just going, okay, um, go back to take out that, you know, measure there. Yeah. Okay, play. Okay, stop. Go back two seconds. All right, this down, that up. Okay, switch this, switch that. Mm-hmm. And he, it just stream of thought. Yeah. It was brilliant. I mean, and that kind of is what writing is too. I think it's a lot of, for me anyways, I'm most inspired when I hear songs that I like and I'm like, I want to write a song like that because that's a super cool song. And so I'm like, okay, how would I write something that has that same vibe, but also is me. And so that, like, that's what writing is, right? Everything under the sun has been done. We just have to find new ways of doing it. So, you know, I don't think that that imitation is form of flattery. I was don't it, think it's a it bad thing. Was it Blackbird that McCartney thought he had stolen from someone? I feel like there was a story of one of the Beatles songs. I think it was Blackbird when McCartney first wrote it. And he liked it so much. He's like, I must have heard this somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like this, I mm-hmm. couldn't have just come up with this right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's apocryphal. But I think it was that song where he was, he played it for a few people. Yeah. And he's like, where have we heard this song before? <laughs> and they're like, y- from you. I've never heard this song before. I uh, hate it. When I get excited for a song only to find out like it's being sampled and I really just want to listen to the other song. Mm-hmm. Kid Rock like with oh. he had Sweet Home Alabama, like the beginning of Sweet Home Alabama and yeah. Werewolves of London in yes. one of his songs. And I was always like, No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Werewolves of London. Yeah. <laughs> so another question I really like to ask musicians is what are you listening to right now? Like what and, and and what are your listening habits? You know, how mm-hmm. much music are you just consuming versus creating in your lives? Um, I what am I listening to right now? What did you listen to on the way here today? I didn't listen to anything. Nothing. Last night we had a show and it was very loud, oh. and so um, a lot of times after shows, if it's like a concert show that we do, or I go to a concert, I like silence just to like decompress um but it depends on what i'm doing so if i'm going out on the town i'm gonna pull up some destiny's child i'm gonna pull up some cardi b i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do that stuff that makes me feel excited um so i have like different like i listen for pleasure and then i listen for inspiration and then i listen um to feel sad and get my emotions, you know? So I like, it really depends on um, what I'm doing. I try to, a lot of times listen to the stuff that brings me inspiration, which is more retro stuff, R and B, anything funk. So that's kind of the world I like to live in because that's kind of what I want to inform my writing. So. Connor. Um, I guess my listening habits have changed a little bit, but probably in the past few weeks, I think, um, so I guess Jess and I have just just started doing some co-writing or whatever. So I'm mm-hmm. listening to um, probably just more like um, pop, I guess. But because um, you know it was, we were we were working on um, I had like this riff or whatever, and I was like, hey, like you know I'm gonna take this and do something with it. But then 
that kind of for me was like a challenge of like I wouldn't um, naturally write that kind of riff, and so I was just trying to figure out like how does how does someone do that? <laughs> so um, so I guess like I, don't know, I think past few days it's been like a lot of like Bruno Mars and like DNC. Um, I'm also a fan of like a vaporwave, so like a lot of Skylar Spence and St. Pepsi. So I had a phase where I was really into ska. Oh, nice. And when I look back at it now, I'm <laughs> like, those are some of the happiest times of my life. For real? Really See, that's the ska. worst way to start a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time in my life I was really into ska. Really into ska. <laughs> oh. I was a big, real big fish fan. <laughs> really? Real huge. Oh, gotcha. Wow. You were a real big, real big fish fan, is that you said? I was a, I know, <laughs> we call ourselves Massies. We're a massive fan. So, oh so my you're gosh. still in this period of time. We call ourselves. Here's the thing. If I hear like <laughs> you and I are mortal, but rock and roll will never die. Bing ding ding. Bing ding ding ding. I will go nuts. Yeah, you I'm also- in the big boy right now. All night, you guys listen to that jam? No. It's good. No. It's really good. You also and call Dave Matthews Dave. Dave. Oh my gosh! I know people that do that. That are so. You know another one now. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, I was listening to Dave the other day. I'm like, who? Do you have Matthews? I'm going on a road trip. What are you going to go do? We're going to go see Dave. We're checking out Dave. Literally, yes. Yeah. See David Alpine. Uh, (laughs) So here's a question: Is there an artist that you've been to their show multiple times? Hmm. I have I have plans to go to um, an artist show multiple times. I saw Lake Street Dive last summer in Minneapolis. And then I planned, so I'm going to Germany to visit a friend. And they're playing just a little bit outside of town of where she lives. So I think the plan is to go see them again. And then they'll be in the cities again this summer. So I will probably try to see them. I like them a lot. Like Connor, what would you, anybody that you've seen more than once that you've been like, I'm going to pay ticket prices to get into this one again? Um, you know, so I, I like don't get out of Fargo very much. So I, I haven't unfortunately seen like a lot of like touring acts and stuff, but, um, um, oh, as I say that though, I, I did see, I've seen Marvin twice. So they're yeah. a, a fusion band from Chicago that is pretty incredible. So, so great. Yeah. We're, I think kind of lucky because Fargo's music scene is coming around a little bit, you know, like yeah. with places like the aquarium and sanctuary now. Mm-hmm. We've got venues that people can come and play at. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, we're your stop between Bozeman and Minneapolis, but that's fine. Like, yeah. I'll go to a Tuesday night show. If, yeah. if, you know, if you're stopping by, like, I'll go check it out. Totally. Um, speaking of checking out a show, you guys are going to do a little bit of music for us? Yes. Yes. Uh, get yeah. Okay. This is a JJ Meets World first? No, it's not. Tony Magnell played some stuff for well, us. Well, he didn't oh, a play a song. He was like, here's an example of a metal chord. That wasn't a song? He did not play a full, no, that was not what, a full metal a, song. An example of a metal chord or? or metal chord progression, oh, sorry. Okay. Not a metal chord, metal chord oh, progression. Cool. Yeah, so <clears throat> my buddy Tony, who Alex knows, he, Tony is Alex's boss at Poker Night. Oh, okay. Um, so he's a musician and he's. He uh, said we weren't going to bring up did, Alex did we again. Meet him in this night? Night? Oh my gosh. <laughs> did, we, did we meet him last night? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. You might have. I mean, it's possible, yeah. but he's a he's a metal guy primarily. Cool. Nice. And so we had an episode where he came on to talk about metal music and brought a guitar and an amp and basically Sweet. just uh, really kind of laid out like like a typical metal song would have something like this progression and this is something cool. slightly different. It's pretty sweet. It was, it was great. But he did not. This is the first like actual legit performance. Uh-oh. performance. True. On JJ Meets World. 
the place to fall apart We had the answers from before But they won't get us very far I'm loving the way I feel tonight Looking at you makes it seem right Holding on to the moment back Because it won't last Looking around the room to find All of the things we left behind How do I get you off my mind? It's moving too fast It's moving too fast for me This is moving too fast for me To fade away With all I left to say We know the morning will come again But why worry until then I'm loving the way I feel tonight Looking at you makes it seem right Holding on to the moment I Because it won't last Looking around the room to find all of the things we left behind. How do I get you off my mind? It's moving too fast. It's moving too fast for me. This is moving too fast for me. Moving too fast for me. This is moving too fast for me.
But we were too late when we said we would never end up this way. But in order to make it through another day, I try my best, but it always feels the same. We said we would never end up this way. We close our eyes and pretend not to see all of the lies. I was starting to believe you let me down when I had to say no. I miss you around, but I get where you don't. I miss you around. But I know that you won't, 'cause we said we would never end up this way. But in order to make it through another day, I try my best, but it always feels the same. We said we would never end up this way. Thank you very much, gang. Jessica Vines, Connor Lee, you guys、uh, have been our first full-on musical guests on JJ Meets World. This is a real pleasure to have you guys in the studio. If people want to find you out on the interwebs and maybe come to a show or book you for a bar mitzvah, whatever it、oh, happens、sick. to be,、uh, <laughs> how do they find you guys? Ah,、uh, you can find us both. We both have individual artist page on Facebook. Um, which you can like. You can find us both on Instagram.、Uh, mine is Jessica Vines Music. Mine is、uh, it's Connor underscore Lee.、Mm-hmm. So you can find us on there. We'll post about stuff. We'll、yeah. let you know what we're doing.、Mm-hmm. You, g- you gig out regularly. We do. We、yeah. we typically have, I would say, eight gigs a month on average. That's good. That's really yeah, good. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're yeah we're busy. I know some people、yeah. who are like we're pretty busy. We got eight gigs a year, so we're just <laughs>、oh. almost one a month. True, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty, it's pretty stressful. We like to take March and April off. Yeah.、Uh, okay. It's well, serious. Hey, thank you guys very much for、uh, hopping on the show. Yeah. Thank、Thanks、you so much、us. for having us. A huge thanks to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty for sponsoring this podcast. 
Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, contact Natalie Deutsch today because Natalie Deutsch is not only a previous podcast guest, she's somebody who's going to care enough to sell your property for top dollar. She's also going to find you the best price possible if you're purchasing a new home. Last year on average, Natalie earned her clients $4,000 over list price on their homes and sold them faster than the market average. On average, Natalie's selling a home every 3.74 days. That's two homes a week. Those numbers don't lie. Find out why Natalie is one of the top agents in this entire market. Get a hold of her today, Natalie at HatchRealityFM.com. You can also call 701-388-9338 or go on to LiveFargoMoorhead.com. That's LiveFargoMoorhead.com. Read all of her amazing reviews and then listen to her episode of JJ Meets World. Thanks again to Natalie Deutsch of Hatch Realty. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode of JJ Meets World and would like to help us continue to produce two new episodes every week, you can donate to our Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash JJ Meets World and donate today. Even as little as a dollar a month can go a long way. Visit our website at www.jjmeetsworld.com or hit up our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the sites the kids are using these days. If you'd like to stay up to date on new episodes of JJ Meets World, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love. JJ Meets World is produced every week by Tucker Lucas. You can find out more about Tucker's work by checking out www.moonbasemaria.com. If you want to get in touch with your host with the most, go to linebenders.com, and you can find direct contact info for JJ. And uh, here you go, sir. This is your bill. Thank you so much for spending the evening with us at the Outback Steakhouse. Uh, we really hope you enjoyed it. There's a comment card in there. And if you had a good time, uh, all fives, my name is Dan. And uh, if you didn't have a good time, all, all ones, and uh, call, my name is Mike. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you again uh, real soon, okay? Good day.